0: Announcement has been paid for by the WZWA network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. TWN
1: Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you
0: are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the
1: hoo Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network in conjunction with Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It is great to be with you once again. And here tonight, I have a very, very special guest, somebody that I've been watching the career of for many, many years now. He started his career even before I was watching wrestling, but I've caught up on everything And I'm a massive fan of this guy. He is the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying maniac. He is the one and only Sabu. How are you going, my friend? Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for being here, bro. Really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, the first question I usually ask everyone on the show, bro, is, is usually how did you become a wrestling fan? But in your case, it's a little different because your uncle is the original Sheik. So this is a bit of a different situation than most people that could have been in what's childhood, like having a famous uncle, like the original uh, Sheik. We didn't
0: hang out with him that much. We just went out to his house on Sundays because he didn't wrestle on Sundays. And we go out there and visit him and his family, you know, my aunt and uncle. And uh, so we didn't, weren't allowed to talk about wrestling while we were there. But I always played wrestling when I was home. Then when I became 19, uh, I got shot and when I got out of the hospital, I started training to be a pro wrestler.
1: Right. So something bad happened and you realized, okay, something needs to change in my life right <laughs> now. And Was I an guess the, the discipline of being uh, trained by your uncle certainly would have instilled a lot in you. Uh, this is pretty important in your life. May 1992, Um it, it, as, as you've been trained, you end up teaming with your uncle uh, in a Ring of Fire death match against Onita and Tarzan Goto. Uh, how was a young version of you feeling going into something as intense as this?
0: Uh, it, it was just another day. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be so dangerous, either than anybody else. They thought it was just going to be a walking park, and, and it turned out not to be because it got too hot.
1: that's what I I I went into the match I wasn't that nervous about it same nervous I am about in the other match absolutely bro and and mentioning this match I wanted to bring it to 2021 and ask you what your thoughts were on the AEW exploding barbed wire death match and what happened there uh I only see a
0: couple of highlights of it and, and that was lame for As much money they got, they could have made the best explosion match in the world, and they chose not to. I don't know why they would go with the fireworks, but uh, it was pretty bad.
1: Yeah, it was bad. I watched it live and I was extremely disappointed. <laughs> that, with the match, that match is like the end of the world match. After that match, the world ends, the world didn't end. It looked, it looked uh, you know, lacking. It was it was pretty dreadful. Um, but uh. uh early part of your ECW career I want to get to now and I, and I want to know um, you know how were your interactions with one Terry Funk you guys did a lot together back then even to the point where you had a uh, barbed wire match together where Paul Heyman even said to himself I'm never doing one again because we can't follow that ever again uh, that was a crazy match but uh, <laughs> tell me you know Terry's such a nice guy tell me some stories about you know interactions with Terry? Well, I don't
0: want to expose too much. Oh, yeah, his wife died. No, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> um, she did that. T- Terry, you know, he's a great guy. He always, he was like an uncle to like a cousin to me. You know, when he first started, Dory Funk Sr., Terry's dad, had him ride with my uncle so my uncle could show him the ropes, you know, and uh, so he did. When he was like 15, 16 years old, he rode with my uncle. So, so like, he felt the like kids like my uncle's son, and I feel like he's my uncle's son, so he feels like a,
1: a cousin to me. Absolutely, bro. That kind of reminds me of uh, how some some other guys later on in with hardcore wrestling feel about Tracy Smothers. It's kind of similar thing like that. They really look up to him and he was a, a, a good teacher to people. Um, I wanted to bring it to WCW 1995 because I find this whole section really interesting, especially with uh, some of the comments that Eric Bischoff has made on his show with Comrade Thompson. Uh, you make your debut on September 11th, 1995 on Monday Night Show against Alex Wright. Um, this is your first time in WCW How did you feel being in that environment as opposed to what you've been a part of previously?
0: Yeah, it it was, uh, I was a fish out of water, you know, uh, even Kevin said to me, I'm going to teach you TV wrestling. I go, what's that mean? He goes, it's different than what you do. Yeah. So it it, it was tough because when I went there, it was a square peg in a round hole and uh, we tried to make it fit, but but I had no help from Bishop to help me make it fit. He didn't want to, he gave me such a bad contract. I said, let's renegotiate. He said, no, I am a question. He wouldn't even renegotiate a contract. And the contract was for $2,000 a month.
1: Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's not good for anyone, is it? Uh, no. I make more than that right now, and I work part-time. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> <Right on. laughs> um okay, I mean, honestly, when you look at it back in 1995, and you see those matches that you had with, you know, Mr. JL, Jerry Lynn um, at Halloween Havoc 95, Alex Wright. It just seems completely out of place with what WCW was like at the time. I mean, you had the Dungeon of Doom and all that stuff going on. So it was very out of place, very different. But um, that Havoc 95 match was certainly great. And it must have been good to have your uncle there with you on pay-per-view. Oh, it was great. Plus, in
0: Detroit, because I think it was Joe Arena. Uh So it was great to have him at my side. Absolutely, it's and Eric, it's a dream come true.
1: Awesome man, definitely. And 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 what I wanted to mention about Eric's comments on his podcast was that he was he was very complimentary, but said that he felt like you didn't want to be a big star in WCW or that you were serious about sticking around in WCW. Yet you're talking about the fact that you wanted to renegotiate the contract. Is he is he talking out of the wrong side of his mouth there?
0: Uh, I don't know, just, just uh, when I got there, it was really cold. Before I got there, you know, these the, uh, winding dimes made me feel like I was going to be great. Or it made me feel that it was going to be great. And when I got there, everybody was cold, you know, and uh, uh, at the time, they wanted me to be a, a cruiserweight or a junior heavyweight. And I didn't want to do it. At the time, cruiserweight but kiss of death. You, know, you never make it to the main event. It's always second or third match. And I didn't want to be second or third match. I want to be main event. And they said, well, all the main events are taken for the next two years, that's with Sting and Hogan. I go, fucker, ain't there no chance I could do that? Jump in there somewhere? And
1: they said, no. Unbelievable bro I mean it's just uh, yeah I mean Sabu I mean I don't know what their whole thought process was behind cruiserweight because most of the time the cruiserweights weren't really small guys you know you would have a, a Chris Benoit or a Chris Jericho in there and you know they certainly were much bigger than a Rey Mysterio and a right. uh, Psychosis and all that so like For you, you are a bigger guy than those guys, so it just doesn't make sense that you would be in that cruiserweight division. I wasn't big enough to be a heavyweight. I wasn't big enough to go one-on-one with Hogan or or Sting, and that's what
0: I wanted. Those are the money matches. And uh, they said that would never happen because uh, Hogan's and Sting
1: matches are are already picked out for the next two years. Right, that's crazy. Uh, So what led you to leaving WWE? Was that contract negotiation process, and you made the decision, okay, this isn't a good fit, I'm gone? Yeah, yeah the, the contract
0: was terrible. So uh, one weekend, ECW was wrestling in Philadelphia. Paul called me. Paul and Todd Gordon talked me into coming in. So I did. And then when the lights goes out, lights come on, I'm in the ring, I'm back. And I go, I don't know. I said, well, when the lights go out, lights come on, you won't know if I'm going to be in the ring. But, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted them to not know for sure. And, and they paid me a big payoff, too.
1: Well, that's pretty good, bro. Um, so you but do return, was, even though
0: Nancy Sullivan says, "Come to me, uh, woman." Sullivan, and says, "Uh, who's going to tell Kevin me or you?" I go, "I guess you are," because I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> like Kevin understood, you know, Kevin wasn't he, he at the time. He didn't have the power of contracts. He's he's just a booker, so he couldn't change my contract. It was too late. And, which I never thought would never be too late, but it was. And then, but when I came back later for a meeting with uh, Kevin and DJ Dillon, they offered me a ton of money.
1: All right, well, that's good. Uh, you, you do return to ECW on November 18th, 1995 at November to remember. Uh, and you, you start engaging with RVD. What was it about Rob and you that really clicked as, as friends, as human beings? uh you know for one my uncle trained us both so
0: that that makes it easier to wrestle him because if he was trained the same way i was which would be the best way uh you can have a good match with him um but you know rob i don't know we we went to the first he went to his first territory with me in memphis you know i drove him everywhere and drove with him everywhere and uh took care of a little bit
1: yeah that's cool and uh you know you guys were tied to the hip for a long time there (laughs) Yeah, we're still friends to this day. I talked to him a couple of days ago. And how did you feel about him going in the Hall of Fame? I've know you, I know you've said some things about the WWE Hall of Fame, but he has said some things, too, about the fact that you should be in as well. How did you feel about him being in the Hall of Fame? And and if there were an opportunity that you would go into, would you take that opportunity? Okay, um... Him going into the Hall of Fame, I was—that's good and proud
0: of him. But I, I just told him, keep level-headed. It's not a real Hall of Fame. Don't, don't think that you're one of the—you're the best in the in the in the wrestling industry, you know. And and so uh, I think the WWE Hall of Fame is, is bullshit because they do it just to get ratings or get
1: uh, to have content for the next year, you know. Exactly. There's no. There's no physical Hall of Fame. There's no way you can go to. Well, I, I think there is now,
0: but it's all WWE Hall of Fame. It's not like the the Wrestling World of Hall of Fame, where they have guys in there from 1901 or whatever. It, there's one in New York that does that. There's one in Iowa that does that. Where they have the, the old old school wrestlers. Ed the Strangler Lewis is in both of those. And Ed the Strangler Lewis is not in
1: WWE Hall of Fame. He
0: should be the first one indicted into into a Hall of Fame. Ed the Strangler
1: Lewis. I totally get what you're saying, bro. And uh, you know, it it is a bit of a weird thing, but I want to bring it back to ECW. I want to talk about barely legal because this is a massive long-term storyline that ends, well, not ends, but the first final, you know, first and final, you know, culmination of this thing with you and Taz, you finally guys, you you both meet at this pay-per-view finally. I'll get my words correct soon, but this is a huge thing for you guys. This is huge, and I know that um, over the years I've heard that you two never got along, but it seemed like that didn't matter. It seemed like every time you two worked together, it turned to gold. Uh, I I I I don't know about that, but thank you. Uh, for one, we
0: we are always competitive. If I hit him with a move, he had to hit me something almost equal. You know what? It, it was like kind of a competition, but it wasn't. You know so whenever we wrestled each other we was competitive so if i hit him with something he'd hit me with something and i had to hit him back with something you know so it'd take two somethings to put him down instead of one right but uh, tanzo was a really uh, super good worker uh he wasn't that stiff it just looked that way was and, he? And what, the, when like you could you on your head you really landed on your head
1: though <laughs> uh obviously yeah i mean i've seen it but uh you know what was the conflict between the two? Was it a personality conflict or? Uh well, he wanted me to make me to bring him along with me.
0: At the time I was just getting my push and all that not from ECW in Japan and everywhere else. So he wanted to come with me or be a part of it. And I got I got a little jealous and i be a part of it.
1: Right. Uh so as the years have gone by though, now he's softened. He's not as serious about life anymore i know that raven said a few things about taz over the years that he was so serious that he would tell taz to stop he would tell raven sorry to stop making him laugh because he didn't like to laugh that's ridiculous (laughs) to be like that uh have you guys got along a little bit better as the years gone by
0: oh yeah i get along with him great now you know we just talk every now and then every few weeks but uh yeah, we get a lot good now. He he even says it wasn't for me. He would never be, be what he was today because
1: I, uh, I, I helped him. But I didn't help him willingly. I helped him unwillingly. <laughs> he helped himself. <laughs> no, he did do very good. And I, I do feel a little bit bad for him because of how his WWE career, career went. It, it was good at the forefront you know right at the beginning but then within a few months they just decided they weren't going to do anything with him but uh one thing I remember him talking about was you falling off the, the big R on Raw when ECW invaded back in the day uh what happened when you fell off the R uh, well, they wanted me to jump out the balcony. I
0: didn't want to jump out the balcony. That was too typical. So I figured uh, I seen those R, uh, R-A-W, you know, by the ring, kind of by the ring, about 100 feet from the ring. And so I said, I'll just jump off the R. They go, you want to, you want to rehearse it? I go, no, I don't. So I'll just do it. So when I when I, before I started to go up, uh, the Dudleys were holding the ladder for me so it wouldn't fall over. And when I get to the top, I stuck my foot on the R, and it's wobbly as shit. So when I jumped, it, it went out from under me, and I was getting straight down. Knocked the wind out of me. I was supposed to land on like five or six guys. I hit one guy with the forearm and knocked everybody else over. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to do it because even, even if it was a fuck up like it was, uh, it still looked good. It's so different.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I think that was the first time anybody had attempted to jump off the R, and I think uh, no one else attempted to jump off Yeah. Um, so I I wanted to ask you about this because look I I know you've probably told this story before but some of your Australian fans might be watching this and they might not have heard the story before but I wanted to ask you about the match that you had with Chris Benoit where he went you know to give you a I don't know what it was he was trying to do a backdrop or a flapjack or something and you didn't make the rotate was it a flapjack but did you did you think that you were going to be doing a backdrop a, a backdrop, or what happened in the middle of oh, that I, I, your
0: head. I, I knew he wanted to throw me on my chest, but when he threw me, he kept. When I got to as high as I could go, my legs kept climbing and went right over the top of my head, and I came straight down. He didn't let me level out. Right. You know, he didn't level out. He started throwing my legs over before I leveled out, and uh, I just kept going and landed on my head. And at the t- time, was I had a broken finger in my left hand, so I didn't put my hands on the mat. I, I put my elbow in a hand. And that's what got me. If I would did this, I probably would have saved. But I didn't do that. Did this. But he didn't tell you
1: what to take. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I read a rumor. Look, this, this shit happens all the time, especially with Dave Meltzer being out and about. But uh, I had read a rumor that um, you know, in. 2000 for ECW, you know, you had such a great run there with Rob and you were you had finished a feud with him. I heard a rumor that you ended up leaving ECW because you were asked to wrestle in a triple threat match with Super Crazy and CW Anderson, and you were asked to put over Super Crazy and you said, No, I'm not going to be doing that, and you left. Is that true? Please clear that up. Yes, that's true. But how it
0: happened was. Paulie goes, and then you put over some crazy one, two, three. And then he goes, you can shake hands. You can hug him, You can point up or just leave. I said, all right, I'll just leave. So I went on, grabbed my bag and left. Of course, that's not what he meant. But I, was played, I played dumb like it was. And as he told me to just leave. He goes, you know better than that. But yeah, I did. But so what? You know, he, uh, he wanted to do me wrong before I left.
1: Right. So essentially what was going on was, he was trying to just get you to put over a bunch of guys before you were going to leave the company, and right,
0: exactly.
1: And I understand his his opinion,
0: but the thing was, I, I wasn't going to be gone long. I'd be gone a short time. And I would be back with more money and a smile on my face. But, but instead, I stayed. You know, he made me stay there, and then uh, we, we didn't get paid
1: that much. Of course, and it was a little bit random for you to be putting over super crazy. I'm sure you wouldn't mind putting over super crazy if the the bill was correct. Um, but to just do it on a random episode of Hardcore TV or ECW on TNN was, you know, that's a little bit out of place for somebody on the on the level of Sabu, former ECW World Champion, right?
0: That's pretty much how I felt about it. The thing was, you know, if you're mad at me, you don't take it out of the, on the product who's in the ring. You take it out of me in the dressing. You take it out of my pay later. But you know, he didn't punish me for not paying me. He just didn't pay me. And uh, so the, uh, I forgot I was talking about.
1: Anyways Um, So okay After you leave ECW In 2000 um, Apparently From what I've read Paul blocked WCW from signing you In February of 2000 When you were going to debut at the Nassau Coliseum For them What happened there?
0: Uh, uh, Before I quit or he fired me at ECW. I had a secret meeting with Kevin Sullivan and JJ Dillon and uh, they offered me a nice contract. So I said, I have to take this to my room and read uh, read it. But really what I wanted to do was tell my mother first and Kevin go, just sign it. I said, I'll, I'll sign it when I get over to the hotel. I get over to the hotel, I call my mom to tell her, you know, this is a good thing, but she had a heart attack before I could tell her because my dogs and someone was knocking the door at the same time and she panicked and uh, she had a heart attack. So. Instead of doing, signing the contract, I just went straight home and got to the hospital and she was in intensive care. So I, I called Kevin and say, uh, I can fact over that contract. Now I'm ready. I signed it. He will no, too late. already being sued. It was six hours later and uh. someone already told Paul what was going on and they were already being sued. Uh, threatened to sue.
1: Well, where, Why is it his place to sue at that stage? Is it, Were you still apparently under contract with ECW or what was going uh, on? I, I guess
0: so, but I didn't think I was with all the breaches. You know, you breach it so many times, there is no contract.
1: And one of the breaches was I didn't get paid the last few months. Of course, like everyone else apparently at the time. Uh... Right. but he was saying just suck it up. I
0: sucked it up all the, all the time until then. When I had someone offer me a real contract, for, for a lot of money, I, I had to take it. Then I would just have been probably gone a year and I would have been back in ECW.
1: Right. So, I mean, you must have been incredibly pissed off with Paul at this stage for uh, blocking No, actually,
0: I was. I was later on. I am now. But when it happened, I didn't care. I go, all right, fucking sue me. Uh, as long as my mom's okay, it don't matter what the fuck you do. But then that, that ended up giving my mom 12 more
1: years of life. And uh, so it's worth it. Absolutely, bro. Um, I know you spent a bit of time in Rob Black's XPW at the time. Um, What was it like working for that company? Sometimes when I watch some of their old footage, I get a little bit annoyed about the production value of it. But, you know, was that something that, you know, you appreciated that time there?
0: Uh, I didn't think that much about it because to me, it was just another indie show. And uh, they're all indies, you know, even ECWs are indie that it was an indie at the time it was a glorified indie but uh because i worked for everybody else and ecw say so with xpw i worked for everybody else and xpw so it wasn't nothing exclusive or that memorable you know to me uh i did it for the money fair enough um i don't have to get paid top dollar for me try hard i always tried hard no matter what no matter what i got paid or my condition so it was had nothing to do with uh XPW or nothing, so it was another, it
1: was another indie. Uh, fair enough, bro. And and trust me, from watching your career, I've noticed that it doesn't matter where you are, no matter what's going on, you always put in 110. Uh, what did you I think? You think? That. No worries, bro. Uh, what did you think the day that you found out that ECW was now no longer in operation? Uh, it wasn't nothing that surprising.
0: I knew they were going down anyways, you know, of course. I just wanted to get a contract before they went down. We had no the way, the way
1: of negotiating. I think a lot of people were, because, you know, you could notice in that, in 2000, a lot of people, all of a sudden, Lance Storm is in ECW and just Incredibles in the WWF. And, you know, a lot of people are, are getting a contract here and there. Shame that you weren't able to at that time were there any discussions when the invasion angle, the horrible invasion angle uh, began to have you come in as well? I know Tommy and Rob joined the uh, ECW contingent, but was there an opportunity for you to come in at that point? Uh, y- yes and no. They wanted Rob, and then Rob was going to push for
0: me, but we never got that far. But, but uh, but yeah, I wanted to be part of the invasion,
1: but not to be a, one of the 20 guys, one the, like one of the guys like one of the two guys absolutely and obviously the invasion angle was a complete botch they screwed that up more than anything that they've ever done in that company and it's probably better off that guys like you Raven, and shane douglas weren't a part of that because it just hurt the whole ecw brand as far as oh I yeah
0: when they had them all come out and all and all that yeah that was terrible it looked funny you know we they looked weak that we looked weak
1: and it looked it just it looked like yeah they were missing a few people, that's for sure. Sorry bro, I have no idea what happened there. But anyway, where I was, I had said,, uh, you know, it was probably better that you, Raven, Shane Douglas, et cetera, weren't a part of the angle because the angle itself was an absolute debacle. They made ECW into this watered down thing. And as you were talking about that segment with everyone in the ring there, it was like, yeah, you're missing a few people there. Where's the Sandman? Where's Sabu? Where's Raven? Where's Shane Douglas? You needed those names.
0: Yeah, but we protested it. That's why we didn't do it. It was stupid. All four of us did.
1: It was. And um, as time went by, obviously the invasion angle did not work out. They gave up on that very quickly and that's their fault because for whatever reason, Uh, time goes on, time goes by, but ECW is chanted all the time. Anytime, anything hardcore takes place on WWE TV. They do a documentary where it's, you know, it's the the rise and fall of ECW. Then all of a sudden we're getting ourselves an ECW pay-per-view one night stand 2005 but before one night stand 2005 there is also another show called hardcore homecoming um you defeat terry funk and shane douglas in a three-way no ropes barbed wire match um after all this time you know what we're doing here is we're going back to the night the line was crossed having the the big rematch with the three of you first of all talk can you please talk to me about that first one? Because I don't think a triple threat match had ever really happened, or a three way dance had ever happened at that point. And then please bring it to Hardcore homing, Homecoming and and why it was it was made a barbed wire match. Uh,
0: why it was made barbed wire match? I don't know why. Other than uh, that's the way Shane Shane was Shane was the booker, and that's why he he booked it. So I didn't I didn't ask him why. I said okay, you know I don't know. There's there is no why. You just do it. And the first that, hardcore, the first uh, one night stand—is uh, that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, against Rhino.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked it, and they they let me do what pretty much I wanted in the match, almost everything. Not that they gave me much time to do it, but but they didn't protest anything. And when I re- wrestled uh, Mysterio in the second one, that was even better. They they gave me a little more lay room, and uh, but then they took it away after we did the ECW contract.
1: Right. Um, I found it interesting, like when ECW was coming back, what were, you, what were your hopes and dreams for that? Because uh, I know Tommy was quite, quite excited about it. And I've had uh, Louie Dangerously on the show before and he was working in the office at the time. Uh, so there was this whole thing that was actually gonna be authentic. How long did it take you to realize it was not going to be authentic, ECW? Uh, after about two months, you know, I wrestled Big Show and I wrestled Tasks and those
0: went okay. And then uh, after that, I forgot who I was wrestling like anybody. And uh, they said you can't do that anymore. Can't do this. Can't do that. And I go like I invented that. They said Not here, you did. Right. Actually, I- they weren't even letting me break a table. They weren't even they were eventually let me break a table. We'd we'd have house shows where people are expecting tables that match, which is wrong. But maybe one table a night, and they're chatting table table and Sabu and we Bandam. So they kind of thought we were lazy. Because they think we didn't want to break the table. They don't really. have. we break the table, they say not to do it. You, you get either fined or fired.
1: Right. That's weird, right? You that, know.
0: What you doing. It's not like you could suck it up and say, "All right, they want they want me to lose to this guy. I'm gonna beat him tonight." You do that, they won't air it, and you'll be
1: fired. <laughs> right. Because uh, I remember when I interviewed Lou, and he was working in the office. He said once Vince saw the first show at the ECW arena, he was like, "That's it." no, I don't like this. I don't like how it looks. We're not doing that. And now ECW is airing before SmackDown. And some of those matches that you had on SmackDown, it was like, I don't know. It, it was quite clear that they were uh, holding you back from doing what you would do in a real ECW environment.
0: Yes, they were. They, they completely handcuffed me. And the thing was, I could have did my thing, but then they would have, they would have fired me sooner, you know? Right, of or course. To But if you, like uh, one time, uh, I jumped off a chair and gave a guy the kick. It's called Air Samu. And uh, so I did that. They go, you can't do that no more. I go, why not? They go, that's Jeff Hardy's spot. I said, but I invented it. They go, not nah, here he did. You not know, So so I, I wasn't allowed to jump off a chair anymore.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's ridiculous. Like, that's where Jeff got it from. I'm sure Jeff would have been fine with it, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, so I want to know what it was like working with John Cena because, you know, he's he's, he's a WWE-made prodigy at the time and he had become, you know, quite a big household name, you know, one of the last household names that wrestling will ever have probably. But John seems like the kind of guy that would be pretty cool and, you know, what was it like working with him? You're exactly right. He was pretty cool. And before I wrestled him, everybody goes, man, you got to be careful, man. He's a crowbar
0: and he's a sledgehammer which means it's hard to work with when someone calls you a crowbar. I said, all right, I expected him to be a crowbar. But when I went out there, he wasn't, he was just the opposite. And he was even calling some of my spots. Like he said, do this and do that. And it was my spot. You know, Usually guys, if you don't come with your own shit, they're not gonna, you're not gonna get it in. Right. Um, uh, he was very courteous. He was very courteous when it came to that. And uh, very approachable and a cool guy. Yeah, I think
1: people say either he's good or not good or bad because they're jealous. Absolutely. And, you know, what? I hated him for years, but it wasn't his fault. It was just because he was portrayed in a way that I didn't like. And now after all these years have gone by, I realize actually how good he was. Uh, Yeah, he he was pretty good. He was. And uh, you did allude to it earlier. You did talk about the second one night stand with Rey Mysterio. Uh, It did end in a weird way where doctors had to come out after you did the springboard DDT on him through the table. That was an insane spot. Honestly, it looked pretty, pretty snug, but I loved it. Why, 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 why were the doctors involved? Was it just a WWE thing that they were getting involved too much? Well, because uh, Vince wanted a, a
0: double, or a no contest where we both fuck each other up and we don't get up. So I came with that spot. I've done it before, though. I did DDT through the table. Excuse me, it was a little stiffer than I thought it was gonna be, but it worked. And it looked like it knocked them both out, and they came out and they stopped us. So for after they stopped us, I was acting like I was to get to my feet. Vince wanted me to get carried out on a stretcher.
1: Right. It's only at well, the
0: back of my head. I didn't break my neck.
1: Well, it it was a, a fantastic spot and it really uh it, it was something special. But um, I want to fast forward to wrestling Big Show at SummerSlam. I'm guessing this is a nice little payday, but um, how did you feel about working with Big Show and uh, having him involved in the ECW brand? Uh, I liked
0: working him because, you know he's kind of the opponent I would like to wrestle because he's big and doesn't do anything I do. So that's a good good contrast with my me my style against his style. But uh, and he was pretty good for being a giant dude. And uh, uh, uh I forgot what I was saying.
1: <laughs> working with Big Show at Summerslam.
0: Okay, yeah, that was a great payoff. And but sometimes he got an attitude where he didn't want to sell. If he doesn't sell, he's not gonna. I can't knock it, I can't hurt him to do it. You know, if I hurt him to do it, he's gonna hurt me back. But anyways, sometimes he just went and sell it or put things over, or or when I talked to him in the ring, he wouldn't answer me because he was blown up and just didn't want to do it. And so when he doesn't want to do something, you don't do it because he can't make him do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't make that guy do anything if he doesn't want to. Right. Uh, <laughs> so this is a this is a funny situation now looking back, but I'm sure at the time. It was a bit, oh, gosh. It's when you and RVD, you're in the car together. He's a WWE champion. He's also ECW champion. And you get get pulled over and you happen to have a bit of weed with you. I mean, good gosh. I mean, nowadays it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But back then, apparently it was a massive deal. Can you take me through that moment when you and RVD were pulled over with a bit of weed on you? Yeah, we, we just left the arena a, a
0: few hours or a few, no, a few minutes before anybody else did. So we got out on our, on our uh, you know, by ourselves out onto the road, which was a mistake because then the cops were just waiting to pull somebody over. But anyway, we go by them and the cop pulls us over. Actually, Rob goes, the police have yellow lights. I go, no, they don't. They got red and blue. And all of a sudden they turned red and blue. I said, those are cop. That's a cop there. So he pulled us. And the weed we had was so toxic, smelt, toxic smelling, that you couldn't hide that for nothing. And... So, so th- th- he knew right away, and but he didn't know who we were. Not that it mattered. He kept saying he didn't know who we were, but he, he played he played with the bell a little bit and he t- a, didn't take a picture, but acting like he was taking pictures. And uh, you know he was really putting us over, like he didn't know who we were. But then he was putting us over, like he didn't know who we were. <laughs> and then when we got get pulled over, so we're the first ones out of the arena. Then about half an hour later, uh, everybody else started coming out one at a time driving right by us with the lights on. So as soon as they went by us, the first 20 minutes, Vincent knew about it right then. We got squealed down right there. You know, it was no secret. The Johnny Ace goes, what are we going to tell Vince? I said, we're not going to tell him anything. <laughs> and he started laughing because you got to tell him something. and not for me. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> and I didn't. He never asked me what went on. He just said, don't let it happen again. And then uh, they put Rob in 30-day suspension and took the bell away.
1: Yeah, it really, it really was a bummer for all of us as fans uh, to see that he was now, you know, taken. Take, the title was taken away from him, something that he had earned. And uh, damn. Anyway, I wanted to ask you about December just- dismember the pay-per-view It was obviously one of the worst <laughs> of all time it has Vince's fingerprints all over it, interfering with what Paul and Tommy were trying to do but you were taken out of the main event before the main event happened what was the thought process behind that was this punishment because of this thing that had happened or yeah uh man wrote this long-ass promo for me
0: to do, like a story that I'm supposed to memorize it. And it's not my words. It's words they put into it, trying to get me to say. I said, no, that's no good. She goes, you just do it. So I tried a couple times, but I go, I can't. And she goes, I go, I got better better idea. Watch oh, this. Uh, I look at this thing. I look at the, the, the script and I tear it up and throw it away. So said, I'm not doing that, which would have been cool because that's my attitude. But then they said, you can't, if you don't do that, you're out of the match. Oh they didn't gosh. tell me that. They didn't tell me that at first. The next day, they had me do an angle where I hurt my arm and then uh, never said nothing about the match. Didn't bring me in, just didn't call me. Right. Did you have the chance We're to win? I a a promo, something a man wanted me to do, and I couldn't do it. Even if I was the last day on earth, I couldn't do it. Not because I didn't want to, I just can't. I'm not much of a talker. I'm kind of shy, and so it's hard for me to talk or express myself, express myself, express myself with words.
1: No, fair enough, bro. And, like, you were never a guy that was given promos. You never spoke in Was That was your thing. So to have WWE try and make you do that is just counterproductive to what you do. What you do is... Well, well, Vince pulled me aside
0: one day, and he said that he wants me to be a likable babyface. I said, yeah, but the way I'm a babyface, on the way to the ring, sometimes I look like somebody touched me, and they did and I kind of chase them down a little bit. The only ones who don't like that is the one guy I'm running after. Everybody else likes it, but Vincent, he goes, you can't do that. You can't stand a fan. I go, I'm not going to. I was going to threaten to. You know, I don't want to stand a fan. but I just threaten to make me look mean or tough, and, and to me, that's the anti-hero, like Savage, you know, the heel babyface or babyface heel you know it's a tween or something no matter what i did in the match ecw or the or WC, WWF, uh people liked what i did even if i stabbed the guy in the eye with a the spike they still cheered me the, 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 not, i never got one boo, never, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Did> you, never. <laughs> did you have the chance to work with kurt angle while you were in uh, WWE Cw, and please tell me what was that like because he is a machine yeah,
0: yeah it, it was pretty cool except for uh he, he was kind of a pain in the ass because he want to go over every single fucking detail. You know, like sometimes <laughs> I go, I'll make a comeback. I don't have to tell you what my comeback is. Just sell for me. But he wants to know what it is. And, and you got to tell him over, over and over. Every time you come to the spot, you have to keep telling him every detail. It, it, it gets tiring because we're professionals. I don't need every detail. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. But he was cool, though.
0: He was a real good worker. Like you said, he was a machine. He, he just kept going and going. And uh, yeah, he, he, he was cool. He, he was all right to work with. It's just kind of a pain in the ass to go over the match. I really didn't like going over the match with
1: them. Of course, you know, you, you probably like to feel it as you as you get out there, you like to listen to the crowd and just go by what feels natural, which is uh well, when that I was like that. Coming, I, I'm sorry, but when
0: I when I was coming up, the way you judged a good wrestler was how good he at, reacted on a seat. Now good he remembered the spots. You could you can forget every spot, but if you can work, you can work without knowing the spots. And, and a lot of times I said about work without knowing the spots. So I don't even know what's coming next. I, I say uh, you know, uh, ad lib. I, I, I think on my feet and do something good. Usually it's
1: good. You know, most of the time it's good. And, and I'm the same, bro. Like, it, it's been a few years, but I used to wrestle as well. And I, and I want to ad-lib the whole match. I don't like to have the whole thing planned out. It's boring to me. Oh, to- it's terrible. It's so boring to just plan the whole thing out beforehand and just just go by a script that you came up with before. No, I like to just go out there and just do whatever it is that feels natural. That's what I used to do. I'm not, I was not like, I, it's not like I was some big, st- I, I wrestled in Perth, Western Australia. I was a weekend warrior. I didn't do anything big in the business, but that's the way that i like to do it and i see a lot of people over the years they just like to plan every single second and every to me spot. Where's, where's the fun creative license behind that let's go out there and let's just feel it that's me i i agree man i've always been that way even till this day i'm that way i, I hate going over a match but i just
0: know guys now today they got to go every spot which i'll go over every spot with them once or twice but not every time we go over the match you know, especially if you match later in the show, you, you will know, see the guy 20 times and you tell me every spot, every time, every 20 times. And, uh, it gets to be a pin in the ass. Makes me not <laughs> want to go over the match. And the, when I have someone like that, like Kurt Angle, I go, Kurt, this
1: is the second time I went over the match. I go, Kurt, I, say, I have to go get Stone. I said, I can't listen to you. <laughs> awesome, bro. Um, I wanted to fast forward to TNA. There's not many questions left, uh, Sabu, but, uh, uh, this is one thing that I loved because uh, I was watching TNA at the time and it was a feud that probably should have happened in ECW, but time just wasn't there. You worked with Raven finally and you had this great feud. I really enjoyed it. What was it like working with Raven finally? And, you know, how do you feel that that could have gone if it was in ECW back in the day? Uh, it would have been great in ECW and it was
0: okay TNA except for after our first or second match, I got an infection. And I was in the hospital for three months. So the, the, we never finished it. We we're going to do it when I came back. But uh, while I was in the hospital, Dusty Rhodes uh, released me because he said that he couldn't handle no dead weight. As I'm not dead weight. I'll be back in the ring next week because I didn't know how sick I was. But he must have known because he said, uh, no, got to use a contract for somebody who can use. a motherfucker.
1: God oh, damn, bro. That sucks. But I, I did like some of the matches. That well, I respected it. At least he told me. At least he told me. Of course. Of course. And um, as far as TNA was concerned, you know, back in the day, um, as, you know, you worked with Samoa Joe. Uh, I know that you had a, a few issues going into that match with Joe. What was going on then? And did you enjoy working with him?
0: Yeah, Samoa joe's really good. Except for during that mat, uh, that match, I broke my forearm a few days before that in Mexico, so I was hurting a lot. And but he he took care of me. He's a great great worker. And it would have been better uh, if without a cage. The cage was so stiff you couldn't work it. The cage was super stiff. It was like iron bars, and, and it, it looked like chains or something. But but it was super stiff, so you really couldn't work it other than climbing it. I, I don't like climbing it.
1: Right, fair enough. And, you know, what's interesting about this is, like, you're there back in in these days of TNA, but uh, now it's Impact Wrestling. And you did have the chance to be there a little while ago. You got to work with Rob again and and be a part of it again. How fun was it to go back there again and and work with Rob again?
0: Oh, it was great. It was really fun. And uh, because he was supposed to wrestle Jerry Lynn, I was supposed to wrestle Scorpio. But Jerry Lynn had to back out for whatever reason. I think he hurt his back or something. So they had to someone take a spot, which they were treating me like shit at the time. So they go, all right, but uh, you, you just move up to main event. You're going to get double pay. And they didn't give me double pay. Even Dreamer took to me and said, they're going to pay you double. Even Dreamer said it.
1: And they didn't. Uh, and then when
0: I said to Dreamer a couple of months later, I said, hey, they never paid me double. And he goes, check
1: again. Oh, the wrestling business. Hey, bro. Um, how are you, how are you feeling today? I know you just wrestled in Texas the other day, um, but you hadn't wrestled for a little while before that. How are you feeling physically and, and, and how much longer do you think that you can go in the wrestling business? Uh, I can't go much farther. I'm just about
0: done. Uh, as of this moment, I'm kind of done because I hurt my back uh, last year and I never got better. You know, and my shoulder has been hurt for the last 10 years And that never got better So actually my shoulder's gotten worse And so has my back since I ain't been wrestling Since the pandemic, it's actually gotten worse So I don't know how much longer If I get the pain in my back, the pain in my ass to go Then I'll probably stay in a lot longer
1: Right, and if you could pick a, a final opponent Or a final scenario for your final match What would you do? Uh, if, if I could pick anybody I'd pick Brock, Brock Lesnar So, for, if, if he don't want
0: to wrestle me Which I'm pretty sure he doesn't that I'd probably pick Van Damme for my final match. And what I wanted to do was like put out a couple of shows, me and Rob in Japan, one, you know, in England, one in the States, and that'll be our final, final match. After that, we both retired, but we never got around to it yet.
1: Cool, bro. Well, I, you know, I hope that's what happens. And and Sabu, you know, we're coming close to the end of the interview here. But, and this is a segment I call Five Second Frenzy. There's, It's, it's a few quick-fire questions with quick-fire answers, but m- most of them are about other things than wrestling, but some are about wrestling. So if you're ready, the first question, Sabu, is who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, well, it would be cheating if I said the Sheik.
0: So, okay, so if I can't pick the Sheik or rather than dab, I guess my favorite wrestler probably would probably be with Tiger Mask, the original Tiger Mask, Ayala. Uh, I, I was a big fan of his like my uncle when I started wrestling my uncle says, pick three wrestlers that what I think are great and then imitate those guys I said okay so I picked Jimmy Smell Tiger Mask and the Sheik those three together makes makes my character sabu or it does to me in my mind I, I look like, I'm playing Sheik I'm playing Tiger Mask if, if you know when I think like that and no one knows what I'm doing they just think I'm being crazy but uh, it might be look look crazy but it doesn't uh, I'm, I'm actually following a guideline in my head. Fair enough. Who is your favorite opponent over the years? Uh, I'd be cheating if I said Rob Van Dam. So I guess would probably be two cold Scorpio. He was one of the best. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard to compare anybody to him. Uh, I take that back. I take back. Maybe maybe Ray Mysterio. He, he he's what he's the best. Excellent, bro. Uh, what would you say would be the favorite match you've ever had? I know this is a tough. That's a tough one. Uh, favorite match. I, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to, I guess I I would say the barbed wire
0: match, but when I was going through that, I didn't feel favorite, but I I do now because it keeps getting brought up like more, uh, that match brought up, is brought up more than any other match I've ever done. So I I guess that one, the barbed wire match was
1: Terry Funk. Cool, bro. Okay. We're getting away from wrestling now. I want to know what is your favorite book? Uh, Samu's autobiography,
0: scars, super blue and, Something
1: else. <laughs> Every, everyone out there, please check it out. It's something definitely worth checking out. Sabu, what is your favorite TV show?
0: Uh Ninety Day Fiance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, no, I take it back. A uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we always get the Real Housewives on this show? I don't understand it. But yeah, that was the, that was the first reality show I watched besides The Real World. I watched that one.
0: Uh, years ago, because I don't, one of my one of my TVs was stuck on that channel, so I, I so I watched it every day at eleven o'clock, and I got to know everything about it. <laughs> awesome, you know, man! They don't just show it. they don't show just one episode. They show like ten in a row, so you get to, you can click,
1: you can learn uh, what's going on in the first day, one day. Uh, absolutely, man! I get it. Uh, favorite film? Um, pulp Fiction, maybe. Very cool. Uh, favorite musical artist? Judas Priest. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne Judas Priest. my favorite band. My favorite singer is Ozzy Osbourne. Excellent, bro. I've seen both of them. I've seen Black Sabbath. I've seen a whole heap of heavy metal bands. So I think you and I have the same taste in music. Uh, favorite Something. food, bro? Um, I guess we be Mexican. Mexican. Very good. Like, everyone loves Mexican Mexican. If you don't, then there must be something wrong with you. Uh, favorite place <laughs> to eat on the road, bro? A Mexican restaurant. Right. Well, I don't know. Probably uh,
0: Roy Rogers.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I've got three left. Favorite alcoholic beverage, Sabu? Uh, none of the above. I, I don't have a favorite. They're all bad. You don't drink? I'm, okay. not I'm not a drinker.
0: I can drink if I want to, but then I have to choke it down. And uh, I only drink to get drunk, so I'm not a casual drinker. If I, you see me drinking, it's because I want to get
1: smashed. Fair enough. I, I guess you like a bit of the, the weed, and that's totally Yeah, cool as I, well. I like the
0: weed and a few
1: pills sometimes. <laughs> very nice. Uh, second last one, Sabu. It's the naughtiest one. It's your favorite female body part Uh, boobs. Boobs, very nice. Yeah. Can't complain yeah. with that answer. I agree. Uh, and the last one, Sabu, is your favorite curse word. My favorite what? Curse word. Favorite swear word.
0: Uh, I guess it would be fucked, but that's too typical. Uh, uh, maybe son of a bitch. Because if you call somebody a son of a bitch, that's insulting their mother.
1: <laughs> very cool bro <laughs> very cool we've got we've had son of a bitch we've had fuck we've had a whole heap on the show but Sabu I really want to thank you for your time bro it, hey, it before we go before we go
0: can I mention uh, you know my twitter is at the real Sabu oh, please ECW. do please
1: plug everything bro
0: okay well my twitter is at the real Sabu ECW and my instagram is the same at the real Sabu ECW and then the book you, ECW Sabu.com and uh, or you can get a hold of Super Genie, which is uh, at real super genie, uh, for Twitter. And then, uh, I think that's about it. Oh, Rob Van Damme, uh, oh, GoFundMe. We're putting out a GoFundMe, so if you could please help us out with that, it'll be for Melissa and uh, Rob Van Dam. he has RVD, CBD, and uh, if you use uh, code sabu you get 10 percent off and i guess that's about it
1: awesome bro and and when we have this on youtube we're going to have all of that in the description we're definitely going to have the gofundme in the description because it's very important and uh we want to help you out as much as possible honestly uh it's it's a very important cause so anyone out there watching please Think about it. If you have a spare few dollars, if you don't want to have a coffee every day and be a little bit more tired than usual, spend that money on the coffee and and throw it into this fund because it really is. And if I ever buy you a cup of coffee and a joint. (laughs) Sounds good, bro. Well, uh, Sabio, I really want to thank you for your time on the show. It means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, sometimes wrestlers don't realize how far they reach. And I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. And you have myself and all of my friends. We all fucking love you we all think you are the fucking man bro and i'm sure you've heard that a heap of times from marks over the years but it, i want you to know that you mean a lot to us my friend and everything you've done has really touched us so thank you very much thank you that's
0: always good to hear that and it, it, it really
1: touches me I'm, I'm 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 proud to hear that so if you want to say that again i'll listen <laughs> but thank you thank you Thank you, bro. And thank you everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA network in conjunction with Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, in with my new friend, Sabu, and we will see you next time. Thank you.